ready. Hit it. Ready to cut through the BS? And here's some ways to drive your business forward today. Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to Biz Sprints Podcast with your host, Y'all know the name. Michael McMillan. Check it out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Biz Sprints. This is Michael McMillan, and thank you so much for coming back for another week of tips and tricks to help drive your business forward. So I'd like to welcome you to the second week of April when we are recording this uh, lovely podcast. And if you have the pleasure of being on the road these last few fine weeks, you will have experienced probably just like I have the amazingness of every college kid known to mankind deciding to go on spring break all at the same time, which makes for fascinating air travel. (laughs) So um, for all of my fellow road warriors out there, I salute you. I apologize already in advance for all these crazy college kids and all the wonderful delays that they're causing all of us. So with all that said, I figured then this week it'd be a great topic to talk about maximizing our business travel. Because as we all know, right? It's a necessary evil. Um, I advise every company I work with about business travel. So many organizations nowadays, you know, when I first start talking with them, they already immediately start talking to me about how, you know, Mike, there's webinars and we could do these virtual meetings. And I just don't understand the need to actually get on a plane and go see someone. To which my response to this is, you are in business, right? You know, it's Business is the transference of trust. That's what sales is, and that's what business is. It's the ability for me to get you, my client, to trust me and what I say my business will do enough to where you will purchase my goods or services from my company. To do this, yes, I can do this virtually. It is possible. I've done it. I've done it thousands of times. But if I am really trying to maximize my ability to work with your organization and maximize the sale and relationship that I'm building, I cannot do that virtually. I need to spend time with you. Or as I like to say, I need to break bread with you, right? I have an old school mentality with this is that the ability to sit down with my clients is what's setting the tone for the true lifetime value of my client. And the ability to get out there and with my clients is critical to the long-term success of this business. So how do we quantify this and how do we measure this to ensure that we really are getting the value from this business travel that our teams, I'm saying our teams need to do? Well, a lot of that all begins with How are we actually marketing and who are we marketing to when it relates to our organizations? So, so many times I will tell you that what I have come to find is that with most organizations that I've had the pleasure of working with, when it starts coming time to start talking about marketing and sales, um, you kind of get this look from people of, oh, yeah, those two teams, they kind of talk to one another, but we, we were always told that we should have sales be ran by salespeople and marketing be ran by marketing people, and they kind of handle their own things. Though I somewhat agree with that, and I understand the context of that, is that because marketing definitely has some specific nuances that it needs to take care of, and really great marketing leaders are some of the most analytical 
powerhouses you'll ever meet in your life. Um, I'll tell you, if, you, if you're really looking to figure out who the best runner is of a marketing team, look for your numbers geek because I'll tell you, they make the best heads of your marketing team, bar none. But getting back on topic here, sorry. So when we're saying it, like I said, it all starts with marketing. And what it starts with is getting very strategic on the companies in which your sales team should be going after. There's actually a acronym they use, which is ABM. It's account-based marketing. In the past, this was very, very expensive and hard to do. So many organizations could never really tackle this to do this effectively. But nowadays, what we're starting to see is account-based marketing taking off again. Uh, It's been a premise that's been around since the 90s. Sales teams have actually done a really good job about this, about picking strategic objectives and clients that they want to work with and line of sighting with those companies that these are who I'm going to go after. What we're now seeing is the ability to now join together sales and marketing efforts together and really now start to kind of almost flip the pipeline on its head because no longer are we asking marketing to throw this large net over all of these potential client bases and then bring in whatever they can and then let sales figure out the rest. Now, what we're actually saying instead is, is instead of marketing being graded on number of leads, we start grading them on quality of leads. So we now say is, hey, listen, marketing team, from the data you've provided us, we know we have 2,000 companies that we could potentially want to work with. We would like for you to create customized strategic messaging that goes to each individual in one of these companies. So what does that take? That takes some homework. Um, And this is where it's critical for your sales and marketing teams to be working very closely together. So where I really focus in on this is making sure that my marketing and sales teams are having constant dialogue, just having discussions and talking about each of these specific companies that they need to work with. And what we have done is is I've had them build out hit lists, right? So each of my regional sales associates basically has who are the top 20 companies you want to work with. And then what I have them do is, is detail that with what does the company do? What's the company's history? Who works at the company, right? So who are our top executives? Uh, In the case of our organization, we have five buyers that we need to make sure are all in alignment with our organization. And we know those people and we just need to identify them. We identify any pain points that we know of the organization that we might have heard through our different contacts and resources. We do our social media uh, investigations and we find out what is this company talking about in social? What are they doing? You know, are they are all of a sudden talking about ruby red unicorns or something like that? Or what are, what are they talking about? And we document all of this. And what we're putting together is kind of basically a portfolio, right? And a, uh, a dossier on this business. So now our marketing teams have line of sight exactly to who and what they are marketing towards. And they now can speak and create custom messaging targeted right for that business and many times specific to the buyer in which we need them to market towards. So no more is my marketing team, again, like I said, throwing that large net and just hoping they can catch a couple fish. Instead, it's more like they've taken the spear and throwing that spear right at that one fish. They might miss it because they didn't have enough rope on the end of their spear, but now they know they just need to take a few more steps forward 
and try casting that spear again and getting that fish this time. And it really allows for us to make sure that we're really doing some great target marketing and getting those uh, companies in that we really want to get in. Now, once we get the specific company that we want and we focused in, you know, targeted in and line of sighted, this is where the sales team now comes engaged. And this is where it really takes a different kind of salesperson. You really can't just come in and focus line of sight on, oh, I just need to close this deal. That's not how this works. You know, when we have a marketing team who is investing a lot of money and a lot of resource on very finite number of companies, it's critical at the same token that we also have a sales team who's line of sight focused on getting this client for a long period of time who's going to do business with us over and over and over again. If you have a some type of like subscription type of method in your business or a reoccurring revenue portion of your business, this is great. You're going to be in much better position because it's already built into your business model. If you're more of a one-time purchasing uh, to where it's maybe large capital sales, you know, for equipment or something like that, much harder, but still just as critical when we're talking about this portion of the sale because yes, you need to close that deal. But what we're talking about here is the lifetime value of that company or that customer that you just closed. And I know you've probably heard that topic, that term a lot when we're talking about lifetime value, right? And why am I bringing it up here? Well, because lifetime value is not measured upon the specific deal in which we're closing right at this moment. What it's actually measured on is the lifespan of a client who's now doing business with me because they made one sale with me. Is there potential for additional revenue throughout the life of this client to coming back to me? So yes, if I sold them a you know backhoe, and can I now come back and sell them a dump truck, and then can I come back and sell them you know different parts for the dump truck and the different parts for the backhoe, and can I then sell them ancillary other equipment and other big haul equipment, right? What else can I sell that company? And can I earn that business in a sense where they keep continuing to come back to my organization time and time and time again because I've earned that trust and I've earned that ability to be able to get that person to come back to me each time? And that's when we start talking about lifetime value. But more so, to get back on track here, which is that's where the salesperson really needs to make sure that they are selling that idea, right? Like they're selling that relationship and they're selling that emotional connection. And this is where we get back to where I started this, which is getting on the road, right? If your salesperson is you know regionalized to maybe 20 square miles, this is telling them, you better be in your car every day. If you're more like my sales team where they're covering regions where that's you know from Florida to Maine, um, you know, and Texas to Chicago or Minnesota, you know, those are huge regions, right? So I mean that's plane rides. But similarly, I'm like, you guys, hey, there's five days in a week. You should be traveling a good majority of those days of the week. Because the more time you can get belly to belly with your clients, the more you're going to be able to start invoking this idea of we're building a relationship, we're dating, we're trying to get married, we're trying to have our first deal together, and from that, hopefully have more deals down in the future together as well, so we can have many memories together, right? Because that's what it is. It's a relationship, right? It's, I am trying to get you to trust and believe in me 
in my products and services so you purchase them from me again and again and again and again. Now, when sales does close this deal, and as long as they have closed a deal that is really focused on the client life cycle and the client lifetime value, this is where then we re-engage marketing still. I mean, marketing has been engaged this whole time, but this is where we're really engaging them again heavily, but now with your post-sales team. And this is where we're talking about probably the most critical element of the business, which is because we're utilizing an account-based marketing program to where we had specific communication to the company prior to the sale, during the sales process, we now need to continue that after the sales process as well. So this is where those dossiers come really back into play again, because we already know who are those buyers who just bought our product. We also know what some of their interests are now because we just gone through a great sales process with them uh, in our organization, and we should be picking up notes and data streams to be able to tie that back and start building some profiles on these specific organizations and buyers at the organization. Now, in a post-sales environment, what we want to do is, is focus in on sending very strategic, well-placed material that's going to be relevant to that person, not company, right? Not company, person, so we can keep them engaged into what our organization is talking about. This is going to really do a big impact into helping you drive that lifetime value with that company because you're building loyalty with them. Because no longer are you just driving information and data about your organization, your products, and blah, 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 like, oh, yay, I have a new widget that just came out that I know you don't care about, but I'm going to write a press release and tell you all about it. They don't care. What they want to hear is, is what is something cool that you're doing that's going to directly affect my business? Or maybe, do you have a company you guys are working with, a vendor that just did something monumental for your business that I should know about and maybe try taking advantage of as well? That's what they want to know about. They want to know about what can you you do to help drive their business forward, similar to kind of what we're talking about here, right? So that is the critical next step, is taking the marketing, right? So now we started at step one, identifying step two, specific focused marketing resources to those specific people to drive them into our sales team. Our sales team leveraging, again, very focused marketing assets and supporting assets to be able to market to and sell these companies with a heavy emphasis on building that relationship with that company. And then once the deal has been closed from sales, following up with our sales approach to continue to drive that lifetime value with that company and by giving them very targeted, very unique content that is specific to their organizations. Now, I know this sounds like a heavy lift to do, but I'm going to tell you it's actually not as hard as you might think it is. What it just takes is it takes very well-crafted and well-thought-through process and planning to make this happen. So 
Here at BizSprints, that's where what we do is, is we actually have a program that we use called the BizSprints program. <laughs> you know, love the name, right? Um, where it works companies through that. The plan that we work through with companies is our BizSprints program. And how it works is, is we go through a methodology of we clearly define our plan and goals for the business over the next year. We then build quarterly objectives with the client. Uh, so that way we can get line of sight objectives in which we want to accomplish each quarter. Then each week uh, or biweekly, depending on the business and their how their model works, we then write out their sprint schedules. And the sprint schedules are straightforward, right? These are just specific work items that we are going to work on that week and or those next two weeks that the team is going to get done. So if this is marketing as an example, what we're doing here is this, is that Every two weeks, we're meeting up and we're saying, okay, guys, here's the priorities that based upon our objectives for this quarter, we need to hit. Uh, And these are always ordered and stack ranked for uh, the team already because that's already been done. And then what we just basically say is, what are we going to tackle this week and what can we get done? And then the team is then responsible for sizing each of these items up and they will then assign themselves the tasks based upon the objectives that we're trying to hit that quarter and give themselves enough that they can make sure they are busy through the next two weeks and or that they also have not too much to where they're not going to complete it over that two-week sprint cycle. Once that's confirmed, all of it's documented, it's put into uh, one of our tracking systems that we leverage, and then over the next two weeks, the team has their specific goals of what they need to work on. They will go to work on that. So the marketing team, this might be creating a website, or this might be creating a print asset, or this might be creating some other pamphlet or something. If this is uh, potentially, let's say, the sales team, that might be taking one prospect and getting that one specific prospect to one make one stage move. So when I'm saying the word stage move, just so you understand, this could be going from a needs assessment to a scheduled meeting, uh, if that's in your pipeline and how that looks, right? So it's however your pipeline is, this is taking a prospect from one stage to the next stage, and et cetera, right? So we just keep talking, you know, we keep line of sighting all these out. Once we get completed with our sprint, what we then do is, is we do a retrospect. So during the retrospect, there's a few pieces of this here. What we're doing is, is number one, every member of the team, uh, marketing and sales, I like to have them come together, they do a presentation of everything they accomplished over that sprint. So in marketing, it's usually pretty fun because, of course, they usually have a lot of visuals and stuff, but they have to present it in front of the entire team. This provides great camaraderie because the team's working together to kind of build each other up and like, hey, you know, great work, et cetera. But it also gives that awesome peer pressure that they need because now they know if they don't do an awesome job on this, they're still going to have to present this in front of everyone at the end of the sprint. So it forces them to take their work to the next level because it's about to be so public with what they're about to do, though it's public anyway. This is more public to someone who's very personal to them, who is their business associates. And you can't ask for better peer pressure than that. Once all the work has been presented, and it's as long as it's been all accepted, we then take, we publish the work and it's necessary, or we just sign off on all that. And then what we do is, is we immediately go into planning for the next sprint. Now, while planning is happening into that next sprint, there is one piece and element I should mention there, which is the management team is also doing a little bit deeper dive of retrospect as well. And what we're looking for is, is 
how well did the team perform, right? Okay, so they got checkboxes on all of their sprints that they needed to finish up. So all the work they needed to finish in their sprint, they got done. What was the quality? How good was it? Um, we like to measure everything. I usually do a measurement of, you know, from one to four, make it simple. And what, where was it on a quality score? Then number two is, is how, you, how successful were they is utilizing time management? Uh, again, schedule, uh, you know, one to four. Did they give themselves too much work to accomplish over the sprint and not get it all done? Or did they give themselves too little work and all of a sudden they, we saw them have about a couple days or maybe a whole week where they had nothing left to do and they didn't even come to us looking for more uh, tasks to perform. So it really allows for us in management to get that good retrospect that we need to quickly, right? I mean, this is a week or two week sprint. So I mean, it's not a long period of time. We then go into planning, we then go into execution, retrospect, planning, execution, retrospect, planning, execution, retrospect, and this is for an entire month. At the end of the month, uh, the team just keeps really actually going and plugging away. The management team comes back, we evaluate everything, how did the month go, are we a third way through all of our uh, objectives for the quarter, um, or are we falling behind? If we are falling behind, we can maybe rewrite our quarterly objectives, um, or choose to keep pushing forward and just, you know, try to motivate the team to get through more of these things. But all of this is, re- it's keeping the whole team on task and on target. Now, a couple little pieces here, right? I'm a real world person. I understand you're probably hearing this. You're like, oh yeah, Mike, in your fantasy land, that could work out great. What I'll tell you is, number one, I've seen this work firsthand. I run my marketing team uh, and I run my sales team like this today. I also have seen, and if you're curious maybe where the you know foundation of this program is, a lot of the foundation of this program comes right out of the Agile Engineering Method, which I've personally seen work at a number of organizations and work amazingly well. Number three is, is that this process is all have to be custom to your business. It's not having to be ran verbatim. What it's there to simply do is give you structure. It's there to give you an idea of how can I give my team some bite-sized piece things that they can then accomplish, feel wins from, and feel successful, and then immediately go into the next thing and continue to feel accomplishment and win. And that simply there is just allowing for your team to be so much more successful. It's setting them up for success and really giving them a good place to go. Now, with all of that being said, and all of that structure and everything there, as I said in the beginning of the show, right, at the end of the day, though, what it all comes back to, though, is is still is having that relationship with that customer. You can have the most amazing processes. You can have the most amazing team behind you. But if you cannot solidify that relationship between your team and your client, all of this is for naught. All of the work I can, we can do with your organization to get you scalable and ready and profitable, all of it is going to come to nothing if you cannot earn and maintain that relationship with that client. That is the key. That is the key to your success. And that's what's going to drive your business forward. So guys, this week, my biggest suggestion to you is simply this. Take a look at your sales and marketing team and ask a simple question. 
is marketing running volume leads or are they running strategic leads? And if you find that they're still running volume-based leads, I would strongly encourage you to take a moment and see what is your willingness to check out and try something new? Are you willing to try a minimum viable product, right? Are you willing to try something new and give it a go and see by assigning specific targeted leads what you can actually do with that because now your marketing team can focus their efforts exactly into those specific people. Because imagine this, right? Rather than trying to use a broad-based audience marketing plan that's trying to get as large of a tent as we can to get them in, now I get more specific because maybe my prospect is different than the rest of the business norms. So maybe my purchaser, let's say it's a you know CTO, and uh, you know most organizations that's maybe a male in his ages of forty-seven to fifty-one. But in my organization that I'm targeting, that's a female who's 31 years old. That's a very different demographic and a very different communication style than I would be to that gentleman who is maybe 50 years old. And if I can target and know that, just imagine, just imagine the reactions I can get from that client, the emotion I can drag out of them because I am specifically giving you content and relevant data in a language you understand based upon what I know about you and what I know is important to you and your business. It's really going to drive some amazing things forward. Then next thing is make sure you're talking to your sales team. Get your sales team on the phone today, right away. Hey, you know, stop this podcast, call your sales team and ask them the question, are we building for the long-term success and value of relationship with our client base? If you hear any uncertainty, it means no. And what you need to look at to really tell the tale is, when's the last time one of your salespeople had a personal one-on-one dinner, lunch, cocktail with one of your clients? If that answer is anything longer than a week, your team is not building relationships. They are building transactional deals. And that is a dangerous place to be because your lifetime value on your customers is diminishing every time your salesperson is not being out there in front of your client base and driving that relationship with them. So get them out there, guys, and get a meeting with your clients. It's seriously going to pay off. I, I can't stress it enough. I know business travel can be stressful. Like I said, all the college kids are out right now. Yippee! <laughs> you know, but it's so important we still get out there, guys. Be the road warriors you can be. Get out and see your clients. It's going to pay off in dividends. I'm telling you, it always has for me. Finally, is a look at your process. Do you have one? Do you really, really have a process or are you winging it? Do you just have a pipeline and you feel that that's your process? Because guess what, guys? That's not no process. You need a specific process for how you're going to drive your organization forward. My strong suggestion is to you is that you look towards a process that is going to allow you to be very agile and keep your business lean to really make sure you're driving and maximizing your potential for profitability while also the ability to learn from your organization very quickly so you can, again, be agile and really change the way and focus of your organization is as fast as it needs to change. And that's really going to help you drive your business forward. 
And of course, as we said, if you need any help with that, please feel free to visit our website at bizprints.com. We're constantly talking about our processes and we'd love to share them with you and talk with your organization about it. So thank you so much for joining me for another week of Biz Sprints. I look forward to speaking with you each week. And until next time, to your success and prosperity, my name is Michael McMillan. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thank you for listening to Biz Sprints Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us at bizsprints.com for more tips and tricks to drive your business forward. No doubt about it.